our charge today was to speak on a godly mother. And there was no uh, pre-planning, no coordination. So what you're going to see today is just us from our hearts and, uh, and divine intervention. And it was, it was a great package, I'll have to say. I was thinking, uh, obviously, my mom, Janice Ruth Williams Ruth, uh, born in 1930, died in 2008. Since she's passed, there hasn't been, this is Rob's wife, hasn't been a day that I've missed her. Way older, missing mom, but I don't think you ever miss her. Ever gonna be too old to miss your mom? Uh, you know, it's just it's it's a part of who you are. So as I started to think about uh, godly qualities she had, well, how do you measure godly qualities? What, what what makes a godly mother? Well, you know, I can list all the great things that she did and what I remember, uh, what she did for me, the example that she set. But what's the standard? Well, what does the scripture have to say about a godly mother? And uh, those familiar with Proverbs 31 talks a lot about a godly wife. And I don't know a, a chapter that's dedicated to a godly mother. So I just started doing my research as I could. Uh, and what came to mind was, well, what about Mother Mary? There was a woman that God chose to be the mother of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, there had to be something special about that woman for God to choose her. So what was it? And maybe that's a standard that we can use to kind of evaluate a godly mother. So I started looking at uh, some of the qualities of Mary. She was highly favored for God, by God. Obviously, she was selected by God. Something unique. The one and only woman in all of history that would ever meet the qualifications to be the mother of Jesus Christ. She was given much grace. And yet she knew disgrace as an unwed mother. I have to put those two in context, not only with what we are familiar with in today's standards, but back in those days, that day, not something we have today. However, she submitted to God's plan. And she was a woman of strength and obedience in order to be able to submit to that plan. But what prepped her for that was she knew the scriptures. So when she was approached by an angel, she already had the faith and she was equipped for that because she knew the scriptures and she knew ultimately God's plan. So when the angel was speaking to her, hey, this is familiar to me. I'm, I'm familiar with this in the scriptures. Probably I can't believe it's me, but she was familiar with it and was willing to serve God and to accept God's will for her life. She was very trustworthy. Uh, however, she was not of noble birth. She, she, she wasn't of noble birth. And she showed a, a profound belief God's power, and and she accepted her role, whatever the consequences were going to be, just almost like we say like Mary did, afraid to do that. There's a, a scripture that's referred to as Mary's song, and I'm going to read it, Luke 1, 46 through 45. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but, the, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. 
to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. To give you a feeling of the inner workings of who Mary was. So as I started to evaluate my mom, based on those standards and not just my memory, I thought, well, kind of fits. Or I should say that my mom was godly. She was raised by Christian godly parents. I have fond memories of my mom, both sides of the family, particularly my, my grandmother. And I see some of the qualities that she had instilled in my mom. And likewise, I see that in my wife, and now I see it in my daughter who has been born. So to see how from generation to generation, just as we did in the gospel, how these inherent godly qualities get passed on to those women who follow God. My mom was, and dad were married for 57 years until she passed away in 2008. And we have a, a lot of thankfulness, a lot of things to be thankful for as we look back on that. And that's obviously just setting a standard for marriage in and of itself. But you know, as, you, as you age, and some of those people my age or more, as you look back and you have memories of your mother as you were a toddler, uh, in grade school, high school, college, and as you were becoming a parent, and then as you have grandkids for them, you know, your perspective on what a mom is changes. And yet you still see those qualities in your mom. They're still there. They're just exhibited in different ways. And they're still the qualities that you admire. She was always the hub of the family. You know, she was like information services department at the Nicholson family. You know, if you needed any information, she had it. I don't care if it was a birth date that you forgot or somebody that some event that happened. She knew it. But she was also the contact point. Everything kind of went through mom all the time. She was the hub of the wheel of that family. And I think moms have that quality. They just because they're kind of in everybody's life and they know everything. They remember everybody's birthdays. They send them cards, letters, you know. Don't expect that from dad. But from mom, absolutely, you know. That's going to happen. And so you, you get to rely on that. Um, and she set the standard also for how you balance home and work. She was a homemaker when I was young, and then she grew up and started working. But she always managed to balance. I always thought of her as a homemaker, even when she was working. It's like, because she made our home balance. Uh, always active in church. Uh, both parents were. Dad was an usher. Mom was always active in women's ministries, uh, mentoring the single woman and the young woman. And she was a little bit older. Uh, last church that she was at, she was a deaconess. So engaged, and I think also recognized of godliness. Uh, one of the, the interesting facts I found on back in my memory was that we like to do outdoor activities as a family, mostly because of my dad. Uh, he grew up uh, kind of a little bit of a ruffian, and liked to do water skiing and hunting and fishing and camping. Uh, my mom did not, but we did it anyhow. And to give you a little perspective on her, my mom was deathly afraid of water could not swim, refused to go in the water, and yet she would drive the ski boat so my dad could watch the water ski. And I was 12 years old, and I, can, I qualified as, a, as an observer in the water ski boat simply because he was a dumb and had to watch the water ski. I mean, how many people would do that? And yet there's my mom willing to, uh, to sacrifice and to serve even her family. Uh, I could do no wrong in her eyes. She was my number one. And again, as I was thinking about mother and mother, 
presentation of the whole line of weddings that you can imagine. And of course, they go to Virgin Mary. Just go to Jesus, do whatever he says. I mean, talk about a number one fan. I mean, she was like, she had not really seen too much of miracles and things that he could do, but she knew he was the guy. Just do whatever he says. Well, that's kind of like my mom. She was my number one fan. And to have somebody like that in your life, that whether you thought you could do no wrong or she thought you could do no wrong, okay, I can do this. And the encouragement that comes along with that. Uh, she loved Christmas because she loved giving of herself, loved to give to others. And uh, she also didn't spend time with people. She was always encouraged with those with her. She was actively involved in drafting and things like that, passing questions to some kids, particularly girls. Um, but as I as I think about what my kids think of her, there's a lot of, a lot of what we call Ruthieisms, just traits that she had that everybody remembers. And that's kind of like the legacy that she's left, not only to me but to my kids. And how I see that as, as my daughter passed down to my grandkids some of those characteristics. So as I, as I think about, you know, what type of inheritance that I receive from my parents, from my mom, my dad's been alive for quite a long time. It's not so much the possessions. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things that come out of the memories. But it's not the possessions, it's the legacy that she left. That's what I cherish. That's the inheritance that I grab and I look at. That quality of godly living amongst it all, we're well off or whatever the level of poverty somebody might be. But just the legacy that she left behind and that I inherited and now can pass it on to my family is priceless. So that's how I view godly living. So think about that as you evaluate yourselves and the women in your life. Uh, next, we're going to be hearing from Pete Pierre. He's an elder in our church. And in passing, we still tend to consider him to be one of the key elements. So Please welcome Pete now as he shares his, his godly woman. Before I start with my story, I think everyone here should give their mother a standing ovation. Several of us here have probably lost their moms, so I want to encourage you to not take your mom for granted, because you really don't know how long she's going to be around. For that matter, you don't know how long you're going to be around. You know, growing up as kids, one of the things that's really important to our development is affirmation, and the best place to get affirmation is from your parents. The one thing that we don't think about, that need for affirmation does not go away. Parents need affirmation too. And the best source of that affirmation is the kids. So all of us here are kids in some respect. So don't forget that. Today is Mother's Day. So your mom should not only be honored today because she's not only a mom today. She's a mom 365. So you should honor her and appreciate her and tell her that you love her every day. 
So I really appreciated hearing Doug's story about his mom. But what do you do when your mom does not measure up to that godly standard? What do you do when your mom doesn't meet your expectations? What do you do when your mom has let you down? What do you do when your mom has hurt you? We've all experienced that to a certain degree. But the thing is, the world teaches us that respect is earned. And I'm here to tell you that's a lie. Because the Bible says everyone is to be respected because we're all made in his image. So you need to remember that respect is independent of behavior, attitude, action. I know that's easy to say, very hard to do. There is a great tool that I've discovered that I would encourage everyone in this room, especially the older, well, people who are adults. It's called The Tribute and the Promise. It's a wonderful book. And basically, it teaches you how to look at your parents as human beings. They have needs, faults, shortcomings, and scars of their own. You look at them through the lens of Christ, and you realize that they're human just like you and imperfect just like you, not just the imperfect parent that you sometimes see them to be. So I really would encourage you to do that. I went through it myself. It was painful because it forces you to come face-to-face with the child that's in you. The pain you may have experienced, the disappointment you may have experienced, but it helps you to mature as an individual, and it really removes the hindrances that affect your relationship with your parents. And if none of that moves you to do it, it's God's command to honor your parents. But the beautiful thing about that, too, it comes with a promise. And that promise is you will live a long life and it will go well with you. So I really encourage you to do that. Don't be like me, though. Because I read the book, thought it was a great idea. I procrastinated. My mom died. Never got a chance to do it. So this is the letter that I wrote to my mom. Excuse me while I get my glasses. It's hard. Prayed to the Lord for eyesight like Moses, but he denied me. Dear Mom, I remember the countless times I would come home from school to be greeted by your warm smile and the delicious smells drifting from the kitchen. You were a great cook, and I enjoyed all the meals you prepared for me. Thank you for making all my breakfasts, lunches, and dinners all the way through high school. I had no idea how much work that was. I fully understood when I went off to med school and had to do all the shopping and cooking myself. Thank you for teaching me to prepare some of my favorite home-cooked meals, though they were never quite as good as yours. How you loved all my children. You started watching that show before I was even born and continued steadfastly until decades later it was canceled. One day when I was six, we were watching it together, because after all, what choice does a six-year-old have? 
And God showed me clearly that I would become a doctor when I grew up. I shared that with you immediately. Thank you for not laughing at a childhood dream, but rather encouraging me to pursue that, even though you had no idea what the road looked like. It must have been daunting to you, considering you never graduated high school. Thank you for your unwavering support throughout all those years. I've always had confidence in my abilities, even from a very young age. Like that time in first grade when you told me about that neighbor who walked home from school for the first time. Yes, he was several years older than me, but I would not be outdone. I determined to set a new standard. The very next day, when asked by my teacher why I wasn't getting on the school bus, I lied. And I told her mom was coming to get me. Then quickly slipped out with a friend and proceeded to walk home. God was certainly with us that day because my friend tried to cross the street without looking for oncoming traffic. Thank you for teaching me to look both ways before I crossed the street. When all the kids from our neighborhood got off the bus, you were left standing there alone, wondering where I was. I'm truly sorry for that. I understand now how you must have felt at that moment. Fortunately, God didn't let you suffer long because as you looked down the street, you could see me walking towards you. Relieved, you rushed to greet me but demanded an explanation. Well, I couldn't let you continue bragging about our neighbor. I had to prove to you that I was just as capable as he was. I could have been in so much trouble. Thank you for simply smiling and hugging me, followed by a, don't you ever do that again. I felt there was no need to do it again. I had made my point. That was the first of many times throughout my life where I never let someone else dictate what was possible for me. The gifts are from the Lord, but I'm sure that your encouragement had a lot to do with that. Thank you for never doubting me. You were thrilled when I got into med school and ecstatic when I decided to attend the University of Pennsylvania. After all, it was, being, it was close to New York, so you thought you'd see me every weekend. But God had different plans. When he opened the door to Stanford and I decided to visit the campus, you were perplexed. Why are you traveling to California? Mom, it's a free trip to California. I'm going. I had no intention, actually, of attending Stanford, but the drive down Palm Drive on that cool April morning sealed my fate and broke your heart. You didn't understand why I had to move so far away. You didn't understand what a tremendous opportunity this was. I didn't understand the sadness when I informed you of one of the best decisions I've ever made. You knew we wouldn't see each other much, maybe twice a year at best. But with a daughter two years away from college, I understand that. I certainly did my best to call you every week, but sometimes things got busy and I would forget. Occasionally, two or three weeks would go by before you heard from me. I knew you were disappointed, and I was embarrassed for having gone so long. I apologized, but I really didn't get it. Not until one day, years later, I was looking at your calendar on the wall and noticed that you marked every single day that I called you. Dad was no longer at home, neither was Cindy. You were alone and lonely. That phone call was the highlight of your week. How you look forward to it. Shame on me for not doing another day. I should have called you every other day, if only for a few minutes. I had no idea what effect our conversations had on you. 
even though at times we didn't talk that much, it was still a point of connection. Lauren's graduating in two years and probably leaving home. The thought of not talking to her for several days, let alone weeks, is unthinkable. I'm sorry, Mom. I get it. Raising kids is hard work. There were days you were tired, angry, depressed, preoccupied. How painful it must have been those times in my teens when my, I may have appeared ungrateful and when I was disrespectful. The intent was never to hurt you, but the pain was real nonetheless. You made untold sacrifices. You put our needs before your own. You disliked your job and had many unfulfilled dreams, but you persevered to make sure we had everything we needed and even some things we wanted. I didn't understand how important respect and appreciation were. I do now. You weren't a perfect parent. Neither am I. I'm sorry for having unrealistic expectations. I should have understood that honor gives parents hope and encouragement at a time when they need it the most. It can breathe life into them. I understand now. Thank you for forgiving me when I failed. For the times I broke curfew and you worried so much that you wouldn't fall asleep until I got home. I never understood why you worried so much. I told you, Mom, you have no idea how good a son you have. <laughs> I wasn't doing the crazy things that you thought I was doing. I'm sorry for the grief I caused. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you also for acknowledging years later that I was right about being a good son. I remember struggling at times to come up with things to talk about that wouldn't cause a conflict between us. Over the past several years, there have been several things I would have liked to have shared with you. Our safari to Tanzania, fulfillment of a lifelong dream, made possible by the inheritance you left. I have no idea how you were able to save that money. After many years of hard work and dedication, Lauren earned her black belt. Boys, beware. She's learning to drive, and many colleges are already pursuing her as a sophomore. Jason's basketball team went undefeated and won the league championship against a much bigger team last year. I try to pass on the perseverance I learned from you, no matter the odds. Jason's about to start high school next year. He's also a Boy Scout, and he cringes when I kiss him. But the kisses will keep a coming. When Lauren got sick, I remember blaming myself for not getting her the help she needed sooner and wishing I could take her place. I felt so helpless. Probably the same emotions you felt when, you, when that childhood illness almost claimed my life. The only thing I remember is you being by my bed the entire time until I recovered. Maybe it was weeks, maybe it was months, I don't know, but it felt like an eternity to you. Life was tough but you gave us the best years of your life. Thank you for instilling the importance of education and hard work, not only through words, but by your actions. I know how proud you were when I graduated med school. That degree probably meant just as much to you as it meant to me. I couldn't have done it without your unwavering support. Thank you for making us a priority in your life, a legacy that I carry on in my own family. I am deeply grateful for you. I admire you. Love you until we meet again.
thank you for sharing that. That's very special. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Keith Jones. I frequent the 9 a.m. service, and uh, I'm Pastor John. Pastor Rob asked me to speak today, so I felt very honored to um, speak about the godliness of, uh, of my own mother and my wife and be able to talk about the things that I probably should be saying to them on a daily basis, but now I get to vocalize it. But um, Mother's Day, it's a, it's a very special and blessed day for me because I've been blessed with a lot of uh, special women in my life. Um, growing up, I've had um, uh, God-fearing parents growing up, and so I've been blessed to have them, have them show me the way. And on top of that, I've had two sets of grandparents that were I've also been blessed with uh, two grandmothers that uh, were up during my life as well. And um, I think they've helped shape me to who I am today. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about my mother because when I think about some of the uh, qualities in a godly mother, uh, there's many, but three that come to mind to me uh, include a mother that's sacrificial, forgiving, and loving. I've had the opportunity to um, grow up more so with my mother than my father. They're, they've been married for 43 years, but there was a period in my life uh, where my father had to work out of state. So uh, for the most part, it was uh, it was my mom and myself. Uh, my older sister, she lived out of state as well. Um, but my mom, she, uh, she worked full-time, and uh, she had to put up with me full-time. And uh, <laughs> growing up, I was quite a pill. And... Uh, <laughs> I know I'm probably going to <laughs> reap those benefits from my son as he gets older. But um, uh, when I look at my mom and all the things she had to put up with, uh, it's, uh, it was amazing. Um, I grew up uh, oftentimes in the hospital, whether I was sick or had to have surgery for one reason or another. Uh, she, even though she worked full-time, she was always there by my side. Uh, in high school, um, she went to every single one of my baseball games. Uh, working full-time and be, being able to get off work and uh, not miss a game, whether it was a home game or a away game, uh, she was always there. Um, and high school and college, that's probably where I was the biggest pill to her. And through all those times, she uh, forgave me uh, for everything that I put her through, and she continued to love on me. And my mom basically helped uh, lead the path and lay the foundation for what I was looking for. Or in life, uh, and I met my wife, and I was absolutely, God blessed me with a beautiful, loving wife uh, with the same traits that I was looking for in my mother, someone who was sacrificial, someone who was forgiving, and someone who was very loving, uh, because uh, the Lord knows that I've been a pill to her as well, uh, so definitely needed those traits in a mother and a, uh, and a wife. Uh, but marrying uh, my wife gave me another mother, uh, gave me another grandmother, um, and just added more women into my life that uh, have been motherly to me. And I've been extremely blessed by that. Um, and I continue to look at that through my son. Uh, he's only a year and a half years old right now, a year and a half year old right now. And um, I just hope that he realizes as he grows up having a loving mother two loving grandmothers, a great-grandmother. I forgot to mention this first service, but he has two aunts that would gladly step up into the motherly role. And um, as he gets older, I continue to pray that he recognizes 
that's how blessed he was, as blessed as I was, to have all of these loving mothers in my life. And um, I just, uh, I will continue to pray that he grows up uh, to recognize his dad and maybe one day be here to uh, share his love for his mother as well. Um, so I want to thank you guys for listening um, to me and let me share a little bit about uh, the loving woman in, in my life. So I'll uh, pass the mic on to Pastor Zach. Hey everybody, long time no see. I have a I have a scripture for you. Um, it's First Peter chapter four, uh, verse eight. Um, it says, "Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins." I'll say that again. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. Um, I grew up in a, you know, not not necessarily the conventional home, but I, I consider myself the most blessed man alive. Um, like many of you, you know, I grew up in a divorced home. Now, now, for a lot of people, my peers growing up, uh, that meant a lot of bitterness. It meant a lot of heartache. It meant a lot of anger towards your parents, and I know some of you have felt that in your life, Um, but growing up amongst so many other divorced kids, because it's turning out to be the exception and not the rule now in our society, uh, I I noticed that there was a contrast between my peers and me. I noticed that there was a great contrast, that there there was a bitterness in them, there was an anger in them, there was this darkness in them that I, I didn't have, there was this indignation against their situation that they had that I, I just didn't have growing up. Yes, there was weird, awkward, and lonely moments, you know, but what, what kid growing up and experiencing puberty does not have those, right? Uh, I, think, I think teenagers look for problems, right, you know, to complain about. When they're, and, and that was definitely my topic, right? But I, 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 I've never been bitter. I've never been bitter tell you why. Love covers a multitude of sins. Fervent love covers a multitude. And, and, and I'm going to say this, that, that my, I, I, I have been blessed. You know, my, my parents divorced when I, when I was very young, and they both, my mother got married to a, an amazing man, and my, my dad got married to an amazing woman, and they started their families. I, I got to have two moms. You laugh. I got to grow up with two moms that loved me so much. And, 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 they, and, and they both, uh, their love covered a multitude of my sins, that's for sure. And, and, and I, 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 my mom, my, my mom growing up just covered me, covered me in love. Bathed me in so much love that bitterness could not exist. There was moments of strife as anybody else has in a household, but, but there was no possible way for me to experience bitterness when I had a mother who loved me so and, 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 and I get I get to and when anytime I would leave my mother, I would come home to a mother 
who would love me so dearly and who would cover me in so much much fervent love that would cover my sins and any past sins that have ever been committed in the past. Love covered a multitude of sins. And and I, I want to encourage you all in here because... Many of you, and, and it's, it's becoming the increasing majority, have experienced a similar situation where some of you are, are, are moms who, who have recently or in the past gone through divorce and you feel like your kids, you've ruined them. And there's, there's, some, there's some of you in here that are stepmothers and, and, and you just, you, you want to, to shower that love upon your stepkids. And I'm going to tell you, that love covers. That I, I am the most blessed man I know. That I have two moms. That I have two moms that love me so dearly. And do you know what is the biggest deal to me? Now that I reflect back on it. They never spoke ill of one another. Not once. Not once did they refer to one another in any any shape or form, in, in any derogatory or passive-aggressive way. Same with my two dads that I have. Never once did they ever uh, display any bitterness or passive-aggressiveness. Not once. And you know what? Their love, not only for me, but their love for one another, has kept me from so much bitterness and feeling an abundance of, of love. How God redeems these things. I want to encourage those of you who feel like you didn't have a conventional white picket fence life. That love covers. And that your love for one another is going to prevent so much bitterness and animosity. So I, I, I want to leave you with that encouragement. And I want to I display just the deepest of gratitude to my moms. For covering covering me. Never, I, I've never gone a day not feeling love. Never. I've always felt at home. And I'm just so, so thankful for them. And uh, I, I want you all, if, if any of you have a similar situation to me, see how God has redeemed you. And see how blessed you are. Man, I, I consider myself more blessed than all my peers because I got double. Right? Now I'm getting married. I'm going to have triple. <laughs> right? She gets two mother-in-laws, though. That's a different story. You know? <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to you all. I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Steve Larson. You know, our leaders here at Godspeak have done a great thing today. Um, They have set a model, an example for you, as to how to honor your mothers on Mother's Day. Uh, If you're alive today, the flowers are nice, the cooking her lunch is nice, the saying Happy Mother's Day is nice. But one of the greatest things you can do is to take a minute, as these men have done, and reflect, think about, what is the blessing that God has given to you uh, through your mother? And, and share that with them. Uh, I love the idea. And if your mom is alive, write her a letter. Just take, take a few minutes and write her a letter as to uh, 
uh, the blessing that she has been to you. I'd like to, just for a moment, kind of wrap things together uh, and, and pull things together in our thinking about the important place that moms have because all of you mothers, I want you to realize that you have an important role to play in our witness in this community of Jesus Christ. You know what? Thousand Oaks, Newberry Park, Westlake, they need us. They need us to show them the light of what the love of Christ can do in a family. You know, Proverbs 4 says, The wicked walk in darkness, and they don't know over what they stumble. And boy, do you see that in society today? Uh, People are lost. Families don't know how to be families anymore. Moms don't know how to be moms anymore. Dads struggle knowing how to be dads. And you and I have the blessing of the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the Word of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to show people something different. And as we conclude, I just I want to share a little bit about my mom because she, uh, she fulfilled that role in an amazing way. And I just very briefly want to share with you two things about my mom and let it be a challenge to you in your own life of how you can actually increase your influence, quite frankly, whether you're a mom or a dad or whatever place in the family you are. These are two life lessons my mom taught me. She never sat down and verbalized them to me. She just lived them throughout her entire life. My mom's name was Betty Mae Chapman. She was born uh, in December 17, 1922. And she died in October of 2008. Uh, she actually fell down the stairs of her home, hit her head, and pretty much died immediately. And to show you about her, that morning, uh, she was baking snacks for firefighters uh, to, uh, to just actually surprise them and give them a blessing. That's just the kind of person she was. The two things my mom taught me about life is, number one, If you want to make a difference in people's lives, learn to accept them for who they really are. Uh, I asked my wife what she appreciated about my mom, and she said something really profound. She said that when she came into the family, there was no distinction of how my mom treated her as opposed to how my mom treated me. In fact, there were no bio kids and in-laws. We were all just part of the same family. There was no second-class Uh, citizenship in the Larson family. And it's funny, all of the ladies who have come into the family, and and I had uh, three brothers and one sister, all of the married kids who came in felt exactly the same thing. There are two scriptures I want to share with you. Paul writes in Romans 15, 6, Therefore, accept one another, just as Jesus Christ has accepted us to the glory of God. So your model of how to accept other people is how has Jesus Christ accepted you? And man, aren't you glad that he didn't require us to clean ourselves up before we came to uh, salvation? He accepted us for who we are, and his acceptance of us is what has set us free to grow. Now, there is one huge thing about acceptance, and that's that you have to learn to drop expectations. Have you ever been around people where 
no matter what you do, you feel like there's a bar there that you're not quite measuring up to. Uh, That's what happens when we have a self-focus in life and we set expectations for other people. And we think that setting expectations is actually going to help people live up to our standards, but exactly the opposite is true. When you have expectations of people, you push them away. When you have expectations of people, you actually minimize your influence in your lives. You know, when my mom, uh, when we would come over, even if it had been a long time since we came over, I never felt that she was disappointed that I didn't come over more. She was always just glad to see us. And her that lack of expectation actually served as a magnet that made us want to come over and hang around her all the time because we didn't have the sense that we were displeasing. Let me, let me just throw one thing at you. If you find that you're constantly disappointed in people, it's probably an invita- indication that your expectations are up to. Love people for who they are, accept them for who they are, and what you'll discover is your entree into their lives to have influence actually increases. The second thing about my mom is she was an amazing servant. And I I didn't realize as a kid that this had been going on my whole life, but there was something in our lives that really uh, profoundly influenced me and our whole family. When I was five years old, my two-year-old brother uh, broke through our fence and drowned in our backyard pool. It was devastating for our family. And obviously, as as you think of a mother losing a child, it was incredibly devastating. And I didn't realize how profound that influence was and how profound people's view of my mom was until later when my mom died. You know how people used to have that hope chest, a cedar chest where you kept all your memories. Well, she had one of those, and so after she died, we opened that up. And we discovered a stack of letters about that thick of people who wrote expressing their feelings about Tommy, my brother's death. And one person who was one of my mom's best friend wrote this. She said, I know you'll be fine because you have never lived for yourself. You've always been an unselfish person. You've always focused on the needs of others. And that quality will help you through these difficult times. And as I looked back on my mom's response to my brother's death, it was exactly that. It was almost like she didn't have time to focus on herself and her own sorrow because she was focusing on the needs of those around her. And that others' focus gave her strength to get through that devastating time in her life. As time went on, my dad became the president of a, of a, gos- of a mission organization called UGO, Youth Unlimited Gospel Outreach. So every Thanksgiving... My mom went down to the Mexicali Valley with hundreds of high school students. And as they were doing the mission work, she was cooking meals for 350 kids. Now, you like cooking Thanksgiving dinner, right, ladies? But for 350 kids, it, eh, maybe not quite so fun. But there was, it was almost like there was no decision in her mind. Her, her husband was down there, so she was down there serving, doing whatever she could do to make his life easier to make the mission easier. What's hilarious about my mom, and maybe you've seen this in other, in other ladies, 
you'd ask my mom, what's your spiritual gift? And she'd say, oh, I don't have any spiritual gifts. I can't do anything. And everybody around her, when she'd say anything like that, would just start laughing because of all the things, all the ministry that she's done in her life. And she, she influenced not only the kids and the kids-in-law and the grandkids, now even the great-grandkids. I just have to share one thing that's amazing to me. We had a family reunion after my dad and mom died. There were 64 of us that had all come from my dad and mom. Every one of those 64 are followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and what is so amazing about that, we never knew that till we were all married and my parents were giving us advice. And what my mom and dad shared with me is every day we prayed for each of you kids. And when you got married, we prayed for your, you and your spouse. And when you had kids, we started praying for you and your spouse and your, your kids. And when your kids got married, we added them to the prayer list. And so every day, they prayed by name for every one of their family. Do you want to be great in God's kingdom? Learn to be a servant. My mom didn't demand things from other people. She, her, her whole life was about what do you need and how can I help to fulfill your needs? And you know what? My mom was great in God's kingdom and my wife has been influenced by my mom. And my kids have been influenced by my mom and my wife. And I don't have any grandkids. My wife, my wife is a grandfa- grandmother, but I'm not a grandfather. You need to understand that. You see, I've instructed all the grandkids call me dude. They're, they're, they are not allowed to call me grandpa. It's dude. So when, when, the kid, when the grandkids come running into our home, it's, hey, grandma and dude, you see. So I'm way too young to be a grandpa, but my wife is happy being a grandma. So that's, that's, that's the way the Larson family works. But all, all of those kids have been marked by my mom, who was a quiet person who lived Jesus rather than talking a lot. And because of her and my dad and what they've done, they have passed on the legacy of Jesus four generations now. And I just want to encourage you, the, the power of a quiet and godly spirit, as First Peter talks about with women. Ladies, I think you are going to be so surprised when you stand before Jesus. He's going to look you in the face and he's going to speak your name and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful on earth and I am going to make you ruler over many things. And you guys, Satan wants us to think that being a mother is insignificant. I want you to know you have one of the most powerful influences on the face of this earth and that's serving your family. Father, I just thank you for the blessing of our mothers. I just thank you that uh, you, uh, Lord, the testimonies of these men that have gone before me, thank you for, for them opening up their lives and making a difference in us. And I just pray, Father, that as we go this day, this day might be a celebration of our moms. If our moms are gone home and they've died, Lord, may we just be thankful to you for everything that you gave us to them. If they're still with us, Father, may we do whatever it takes 
to reach out to them today and let them know that we are grateful to you for them. Father, I just I thank you for this church, and I thank you for the leaders of this church. I thank you for Rob. What a shepherd of the sheep he is. And I just pray uh, today would be a great day of worship and celebration. In the powerful name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.